<laughs> Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour. I am joined today by an actor, by a man about town, apparently man about Atlanta right now, the fabulously talented Mr. Jaden Kane. <laughs> right? Okay, actually, that was just wine escaping my mouth, but it sounded like a crowd <laughs> that was pudding in my mouth, actually, right. to match the show. How you doing, Ken? I am fantastic. How about yourself, sir? Absolutely fantastic. Doing great. Thank you. I, I have to say, I'm really kind of excited to get the chance to talk to you. You've had a couple of roles that you have managed to, to wrangle over the years that have just fit right into the wheelhouse of what is kind of our our nerdly interest that we tend to focus nice. on on the podcast. Well, it's so funny that you would mention that because I, Mr. Seymour, am a self-confessed sexy nerd. <laughs> I believe it. Yes, I am. Um, one of the things I want to start with, though, that I, I didn't realize, you know, I've seen you in, in multiple things, and how much do we really know about the people that we watch that, that helped create the things that we love? Uh, at least your Wikipedia page says says that you're originally from Cuba. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. in Cuba are you from? Havana. Oh, that's. I've never yeah, had the chance yeah, yeah. to travel. I heard it's. I heard it's beautiful though. It is breathtaking. It you know you got to go to Cuba. Um, it is literally like once you get once you leave the aircraft, it is literally like stepping through a time portal. And everything is from like the 40s and the 50s, man. But, you know, the cars are functioning. You know, a lot of the buildings are really dilapidated and old. You know, it's, it's, it's a different society. Everyone gets the same rations and that sort of thing. But they're beautiful, beautiful people and they make it work. And when you're there, no matter where you are uh, in the financial totem pole, as it were, you feel you feel accepted and you know there, there's no fear of like crime and, and those kind of it's an interesting place man should definitely go I, I and, just, and, and i believe since the obama administration it's been a lot easier to travel there i've i've basically yeah. heard nothing but positive things from yeah. the people that yeah, have yeah. traveled Absolutely. the people 100%. just seem like they're just wonderful and a, a different uh, cultural perspective that you you're not going to get anywhere else is, is the way it's been presented to me and that yeah. that sounds kind of awesome yeah yeah and if you are old school in many ways th there are many things to appreciate you know it's everywhere you go there's going to be the positives and the negatives but i could totally live there totally so i have this question for you then uh -huh. So you you know there's a lot that has been created over the years through the industry, uh, books, shows, movies, and sometimes representation of a specific area or culture is is filtered through the wrong perspective. It doesn't come over the right way. Okay. Do you know of, do you have a favorite book, show, or movie that could convey the the really the high points of the culture in Cuba and, and, and what it's like a to be there or a high point that I don't think any movies that I've seen in my life have actually captured it accurately, to be honest. Uh, everything that I've seen has been widely sensationalized, you know, either hard left or hard, right. Um, I think to actually do that, you really need to interview people there. You need to be there real time, uh, speak to senior citizens, speak to a 
individuals your age, my age, to get a, a much better perspective, the current climate as well as, you know, yesteryear, like 50, 70, 80 years ago. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Um, it's, it's a fantastic idea, though. Um, and I'd love to be a part of that. Yeah. Or perhaps write it. You yeah, know, it's, it's been something that I've actually been thinking about for the I, last year and a half. I would so love to see that. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. What what take yeah. do you think you would go if if like a like a family story, something with a uh, something with kind of a gets you bring you in in a warm way first before you can yes. really explore it. Yes, yes, and and I would probably introduce a modern American family. That makes sense into that. Um, to, you know, to, you know, to just show the differences and the positives and negatives and how we can all kind of grow together and learn from one another as well. I got to say, I've always been curious ever since yeah. I was a kid back in the syndicated days of I Love Lucy. And yeah. it's like, oh, oh my well, God. Yeah. I love the music. And then we don't see anything else. <laughs> that just, just was kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not really marketed that way here. Yeah. Um, I lived in South Africa as well for about five years. And I remember before I went there, um, I had got, I was actually the, I had the Calvin Klein jeans and underwear campaign. And it was initially supposed to be for three months and they wound up extending it for like four and a half years. And that kind of launched my fashion career. A lot of people don't know I was a model way before I got into acting and everything. But I, but I remember <clears throat> all that I really knew about Africa was what I had learned in school and what I watched on like Animal Kingdom. So a good friend of mine, he had moved there and, you know, he said, oh man, you got to get out here. And I was like, what am I going to do? Hunt lions? And he was like, you're a moron. I'm going to act like you never said that. Um, but now that I know that that's out there in the, in the, in the net sphere right now, I was kind of just young and very ignorant at the time. Uh, but I mean, when, when I, when I lived there, it's one of the few places that I've lived in my life that I never had a desire to even move back to the States. It was that beautiful, that modern, uh, wow. that much infrastructure, the love of the people. So, you know, it's, you know, when you talk about making a movie about Cuba, you, it, it has to come from the perspective of people who, it, even if they are American, they have to be immersed in the culture. It has to be a firsthand experience. You know, it can't just be something contrived and made up for sensationalism. Oh, you know, Fidel Castro and all of this other right. stuff. Because a lot of people over there, they got a lot of love for him. It's interesting. You hear these different perspectives and their cigars are amazing. <laughs> I don't even smoke like that, but they are amazing. They're about like this long. <laughs> I've never, I've never had one. I never had one. I got close enough to somebody had one, and and I got to, I got to smell and 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 get to experience that. And they said, "Hey, we right. should light that up." And they go, "No, <laughs> you can't have it." Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, I think if you might have had some cognac uh -huh. or maybe some bourbon, it's weird the way things play on your palate. Yep, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, let's let's jump right to it. Our podcast uh -huh. we tend to focus on the intersection 
of comic books and films and movies. So right. the place everybody has a place where a particular actor or writer will resonate with them. And yeah, for me, uh, the way that, that the, you resonate the most, at least at the moment in my mind, you had a fantastic part on Luke Cage. Right. How Thank did, you. How did you happen to uh, How did you happen to come across that? Was that something that you were looking for by design, or it was just a, a happy happy coincidence that it was able to be done? That, Mister Seymour, the answer is both. Okay, um, I think anyone in my industry would give their right arm to have a, a part in a Marvel series. You know, um, it was interesting. I auditioned. For seven different roles. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Theo Rosie's, Mahershala Ali's role, a bunch of the other supporting characters. And it was like every other week, I'm getting another audition for the same project. And I remember my agent, I was with a, a boutique agency at the time in New York, and said, they really, really want you. Um... And I said, well, I wish they would actually pull the trigger on something. You know, um, I know I, I've gone through an interesting journey. Um, I used to be a character actor and I would like more vanish into a role instead of a character vanishing into me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And prior to about, maybe about a year and a half ago, I always said to myself, if I recognize, if people recognize me outside, then I haven't done my job because I should be a completely different person to the person they see on, on television or screen. Um, that actually was Mr. Lee's doing, Stan Lee's. Really? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the role of Zip. Now, Zip was a popular act a living person in Harlem at that time. Really? You know, yeah, you're talking about in the 80s and the 90s, uh, during the crack era, all of that. A lot of people didn't know that. Stanley, you know, I'm so sad I never got a chance to meet him. He literally wrote me in with Cheo, who is the showrunner. Um, I remember I was on the Vampire Diaries at the time, and I was... I was holed up at the 12 Hotel in downtown Atlanta. And when these auditions were coming in, you know, I don't know. I was just filled with what one of, uh, is profanity allowed on the show or no? Uh, I think it's just fine. Anything you need. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I just, <laughs> like I said, I try to be PC. Absolutely. So one of my acting coaches in Los Angeles, Leslie Kahn, she always says, you know, sometimes you just got to embrace fuck it. Yeah. Brace Bucket, right? She was uh, referring to Juliana Margulies. Now, she has multiple Emmys. You remember her from The Good Wife. Oh, yeah. And she had a very interesting story. When she was auditioning for The Good Wife, they kept bringing her in, kept bringing her in. It's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, she's not quite right. Yeah, I don't know. The color of her hair. You know, one of her teeth is shorter than the other one. I don't know. She kind of reminds me of her ex-girlfriend. Doesn't she? I don't know. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. The stuff we have virtually no control over. 
So they kept calling her back, kept calling back, because there was something intrinsic about her that they loved, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. So she says, one day she woke up and she says, you know what, I am tired of this shit. So she went there and her whole attitude was, fuck it. <laughs> right? And then and that then was it. She literally finished the lines, she didn't wait, producer <laughs> session, everything, she walks out of the studio. Oh my God. We love her. <laughs> like, what the hell? Right? Oh. Yeah, so I did, they had this one audition that came in for a role named Zip. And uh, and I was reading this guy, reading about this guy, and I was like, man, you know, because I, I grew up in the projects of New York and uh, uh, urine and feces-filled hallways and people getting mugged and bad things happening to women on the roof at night. Like I come from that. Right. And the cool thing about this character was I said, man, I, I remember guys like this. So I gave him, I gave him a lisp in the audition. I, I gave him um, a coke problem. So he was like super wide up all the time. He's like, yeah, man. You know, he was, he, was, he was always on one. He was just he was just ready for action all the time. Yeah. You know, and and, and um, I remember, uh, I think it was, um, oh, uh, it was Menace to Society, right? And I'm trying to remember the name of the actors, uh, but it was that and it was, I, I, so I combined him and Gary Oldman from True Romance. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right? Because gotcha. sometimes that's what we do. You know, we all borrow from right. other from other characters, right? And I loved both of them. Uh, Gary Oldman, True Romance. He was like, yeah, you know, you think you hot, you think, you know? And I'm just like, man, is he mad? Is he happy? Is he happy? I, you, you just don't know to just look at him, but you can't take your eyes off of him. Right. And... I did the audition. Then they wanted to see me at the casting director's office. So I go in, um, you know, I'm in the waiting room. I'm itching. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Right. Right. You're right. Method actor. Right. Traditionally, I grew up that way. I grew up in the theater. Um, so I'm, I'm fully immersed in the character and I went in to the casting director's office and I was like, yeah, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How's everybody? Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So I'm ready to go whenever you are. And, and, and I remember them looking at each other like, what the hell? Right? Everybody, they, they're really like tripping, but you know, this is my reality, right? So, so it comes time to do it and I do it and I, and I leave it on the floor. So the casting director's looking at, she looks troubled. Right? And I was like, yeah, so, 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 so you want me to do anything different? Like, I mean, I can flip it. I can do it anything, any way you want. You know, I got that here. <laughs> right, right. I'm just looking at her. And she was like, uh, well, yeah, well, what I'd like to, to do, are, are you okay? I was like, me? <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know, I'm feeling good, I love life. Talk to me, baby. And um, she said, okay, uh, well, yeah, 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 just, just, just bring it back. Maybe about like 40, 50%. I was like, yeah, I got that. I got that. And then I did it again. And I was like, all right, y'all, peace. And I walked out. I didn't wait 
I finished, all right, y'all, peace. And I walked, I turned around and walked out. And my agent calls me and he's dying laughing. He's, he's hysterically laughing. I was like, what? He's crying on the phone. He was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He said, what did you do in there? I was like, um, I went in as the character, right? So now I'm back to my regular self. Right. But I was like, I went in as my character. And he said, well, you really did a great job, but you must have because she actually called me and said, all right, I need to ask you a question. It's no personal offense, but is Jaden on cocaine? And he bursts out laughing. He said, no, he's a religious man. Like he's a born again Christian. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she says, oh my God, no, never. And she says, are you sure? Because it was the second time this casting director had called me in for a project where I was out of my mind or on something. Right. But it was just stuff I gave the character, you know? And, uh, you know, of course she assured them, no, absolutely not. He's a character actor. He just dropped in and uh, you guys are <sighs> safe. And, and when I got there, Cheo, the showrunner, he was just like, yo, yo, yo. He's pointed at me and I was like, what, what, what? And he was like, we loved your auditions. Everyone thought you were on something, though. I was like, yeah, I gave my character, like, certain dependencies. Like, when, when you're in underprivileged neighborhoods, you don't have, it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol or glue. It could be video games. It, but we're all, like, on something. Right. Of what, it, it's like a form of escapism. It could be weed. There is some level of escapism, even if you're not going out and doing anything. You know, you're just kind of like a hermit in your house. But everyone is on something because there's just so much going on. There's so much stimuli. So, yeah, I booked it. Um, Stan Lee was like, yeah, we love him. And what was supposed to be one episode turned out to be the whole season. That's amazing. That's Yeah, yeah. So how's that for a rant? That is, that is an excellent. That is excellent is what that is. Because oh, great. I had to, uh-huh. I had to expect that they must have really liked you. You had, you had that first scene that uh-huh. is just, just kind of iconic for the series. And it's just such a mm-hmm. great, such a great thing that you'll always, if you see it, you'll always remember that scene with the baseball bat in the diner. Yeah. 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 And it's just that, that, that's what I, that's what I love to see. What was it like getting the chance to, to work with, with all of the talent? That's the other thing that just amazed me about that show. Everybody on that show was so good. Yeah, it, it was an absolute breath of fresh air because there's always at least one or two people, whether it's in the front or the back of the camera, that are just entitled pricks. You know, and you're just like, come on, guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like some people, you know, they shine shoes or cut lawns for a living. Like we're just here to work. Can't we just be cool? You know what I mean? Right. Everyone, Rosario Dawson, Mahershala Ali, um, Theo Rose. I mean, I could just go on. Everyone, Alfre Woodard was a class act. Everybody. And I learned a lot from Mahershala. I tell you something. So... I, I had a callback. I had three callbacks for a show called House of Cards. Oh, yeah. A role named Remy. I never knew who beat me out until I saw the show. Nice. And I was like, I knew I had that role. 
but he murdered it. He did so well. And it was such a blessing to see him work because he's such a professional. I remember he would go into like this silent rage and we had to move on, but he didn't quite hit it the way he wanted to. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know, um, yeah, he's he's definitely one of the Kobe Bryant's of television and film. Well, and the thing that I absolutely love about your work and everybody's work involved with that is being a lifelong comic book fan. Um, oh, great! And anytime uh, you see something, cool shirt by the way, Ken. Oh, thank you. I love this shirt. <laughs> Who is that? That is Thanos of Titan. If you oh, saw, okay, 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 gotcha. gotcha. This is the uh, fabulous work of artist Ron Lim, who did the the original work on the Infinity Gauntlet series. Taking, yes, man. Taking nice. over, he's Real he's nice. he was amazing. Uh-huh. But anytime you see an adaptation that's going to mm-hmm. be taken from its its original source material, uh, especially if the characters, let us say, it's not exactly that they don't age well, but they wouldn't be well suited for television. Uh, right. Seeing those be adapted uh, is is always. I was I was concerned. I saw the Luke Cage show come out. It's like, uh oh, I remember I remember that comic how it started, and it was it was a little cringy. And then they tried to bring it back in the nineties. It's like, well, let's make him edgy. It's like you you don't understand. I don't know if you understand how this works. And then eventually the, 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 it got better. But you know, seeing things like the Serpent Society represented, but yeah, 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 the way that it was taken and done, it just—I feel like it was done by people who loved the source material and knew what they yeah. were doing. Did you like Mike? Did you like Mike Coulter? Yes, he was perfect for that role. Class, yeah, yeah. I, I just—he played it so minimal, minimalist. You know, like oh God, I don't even want this power type of thing. Where so many other actors would have went with the cliche like Arr, you know i come in and i kick ass and right. but that was so expected so the fact that he was so chill so human so personable so loving so responsible it just it, it, it just gave him a level of humanity that you that you didn't even expect <clears throat> you certainly didn't get that in the comic book no you know no, what i'm saying no so that made it that, that that gave it a heart that gave it a heartbeat a soul you know yeah Definitely. Yeah. See, seeing you guys work was just an absolute delight on that. And the, the other funny thing, one of the other role that you're maybe known best for also just kind of dovetails into the other thing. I'm a huge fan of horror. And yeah. so having that, that role on the vampire diaries must've been uh-huh. a lot of fun. The thing I wanted to know about that though, you know, the character, you know, it doesn't talk. So in your mind, when you're preparing for a role like that, how do you how do you get into the headspace to be able to give a performance without words? Well, seventy five percent of communication is nonverbal. You know, so that's why we have to be so careful about what we think about because people can intrinsically tell. So for that audition, first of all. <laughs> They all right. So Bo was supposed to be six four, blonde hair, green eyes. <laughs> pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm too sexy for this jacket right now. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? I, I'm feeling it. it. Yeah, I'm feeling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Paul Mitchell, baby. Nameless <laughs> plug. Um. So 
it, it's an interesting thing. I was I was studying at Anthony Aidson's studio at the Producers Club in New York, and um, he's one of my favorite favorite coaches historically. And uh, I had one audition at least a month from the Vampire Diaries for two years. Wow. Never booked anything. So at the beginning of his class, Anthony always says, all right, what's going on? That's probably like maybe about 10 to 12 people in the class at the time. So everyone will walk on stage and he's kind of sitting in his chair looking back at you. And he's like, ah, so tell, so tell us about your last week. Ah, oh, well, I did this, I did that. I had an audition. Oh, for who for? Uh, another one for the Vampire Diaries. Now the room erupts. Oh my God, Vampire Diaries. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and um, and he says, ah, oh, you don't look too excited. And I was like, nah, you know, it's cool. I mean, um, hey, everyone knows the show. You know, it's a cult classic. It's just that they just keep calling me in. And he says, that's a great thing. If they're calling you in, they must like you. They're just looking for the right part. And I was like, yeah, it'd just be nice to finally book it. And he says, ah, I get that. And he says, what do you think about the show? I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, <laughs> what do you mean, what do I mean? What do you, what do you like about the show? I said, oh, I, I, I don't watch the show. <laughs> Did you just hear what he said? So wait a moment, let me get this straight. In the last two years, you've had average about 22, 23 auditions for a show and you've never watched it. And I said, well, I've seen like pieces of it. It's, yeah, I was engaged at the time. I was like, it's my fiance's favorite show. Um, but yeah, you know, I like espionage, I like, you know, like detective shows. And he's like, <laughs> but this show, <laughs> let's talk about this show. Right. Who keeps auditioning you because I don't know if, you, or if you're auditioning loads and loads for these espionage and detective shows. Are you? And I was like, ah, well, not. He says, well, you probably want to go where you're getting fed, right? And I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't, it's not like really like fantasy. I, I don't know. And he's like, and you don't deserve to be on the show. Sit down. So I kind of go back to my seat, right? <laughs> Have you ever been so embarrassed? <clears throat> That you literally, you're in a place, you don't want, you know everyone's staring at you, but you kind of wish the ground could open up and just take you. Many times. That's how I felt. And, um, <clears throat> but that's one of the reasons that I love him. Because he stands on his square and he just says it. You know, he doesn't pussyfoot around things. Anthony Aveson just gives it to you. And as uh, soon as I went home, I binge watched it. I must have saw about three seasons in about two days. Just wow. watching, watching copious amounts of it. The characters, everything, the colors, what they were doing, what they would wear, the way that they would move, the camera, everything. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why I haven't booked it. So I was looking forward to the next audition. And I said, when I get this, I am going to murder it. I had just broken up with my ex-fiance. We had just sold the house <clears throat> and I had moved to New Orleans. My agent says, 
I've only had one other actor get an audition for this show. Ian Summerholder. Ooh. My old agency started him. <laughs> and he used to be a model like me. So it's kind of crazy. You know, apparently they, they hire a particular kind of archetype. Right. You know? You know, I, I didn't realize this prior to watching the show and everything. So I got one audition. I murdered it. I know I murdered it. Got the call back. Ah, the casting director, uh, Olubaju Sanobi. Um, he's like, ah, yeah, we love him, but we, we want to submit him. I, I don't want to submit this. And my agent is like, what? It, it was like, uh, it was like a co-star for one day. He was like, there's something else that I'd really like to see what he does with it. I, I mean, he'd be the wild card because it's only going out to white guys. And my agent said, well, why? Just trust me. <laughs> so it's both. And in the scene, it's Paul Wesley and, and Ian, and they have me chained up and they're interrogating me. And I have all of these thoughts but I can't say anything. <sighs> so I had watched so much, so much of the show. It was like I was bursting TVP. Like I just, like I just knew it. I felt like I knew these people. So I was in the chair. Um, I shot it uh, with natural light next to the window pouring through. You know, this is my studio that I'm in right now. So I have all the like the equipment up there and stuff like that. Um, and I did two takes of it. And I remember because um, I, I had a mentorship program uh, called the Focus Group for Actors Transitioning from Theater into Television and Film. So I put them up, put them in acting school, um, paid for headshots and everything. And all they all I wanted them to do was to like follow a particular plan and I promise you to either become a heavy recur or a series regular so one of them her name was Brianna Turner she you know she was my reader and I remember after it after I finished the second take she said oh my god you're booking this and I was like yeah well we'll see <laughs> got the call next day they love you you book both that had to be, I don't know if the word vindication is right, but just such a, a boost to just, just get that knowledge that you know that. It, you know what? You would think it was. It didn't hit me until we literally started filming and there were extras who were looking at me like I was Michael Jackson or something. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, what? Because you got to remember, it was my ex's, it was my ex-fiance's favorite show. You know, I always had respect for the actors and everything, and I love the genre. Like, you know, um, like Underworld, Lycan, like who doesn't want to do a role like that? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but it was my ex that really drew me into that world. And of course, Anthony Apeson after that very embarrassing day at school. So I didn't really <laughs> get it until the fans uh, just, you know, I would get a million and one questions. And, and I remember I was like, this is so strange. Like, how am I here? Cause when I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a nerd. I really am a nerd. I just don't have the acne anymore or the braces. 
or I'm like not super skinny anymore, but that's so even when I was in fashion, I was like, this is so interesting. Like, why do they have me on these runways? I mean, I'll do it, but I, I don't know. <laughs> so Good that back. is actually the truth of the matter. But then it hit me. And then I was very thankful, very, very blessed. Yeah. And um, yeah, the rest is history. So did you, was this like your, this wasn't your first uh, foray into into the realm of horror or horror adjacent stuff. Did you have kind of an interest in horror from earlier in life? Was that something that you My liked? My favorite horror movie, Werewolf in London. Oh, the effects in that, man. Oh my God. Changed the whole industry. Children of the corn, the people under the stairs, the exorcist. You know, like, oh my God. Yes. Yes. I, I, I've always loved horror. And um, yeah, and I was like a fan of True Blood as well. It was just that I hadn't really, I hadn't really watched the show, but once I watched the show, oh my God, I, I loved it. I fell in love with the show. Um, and you know, just the romance in it and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was an excellent ride, man. Yeah, that that it, yeah. It, just thinking of both those shows just brings back such fond memories. Uh, to the point that I, I tend to want to share it with people, like uh, like on our social media platforms, which you can hear about here. Hey there, pudding people. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Graham Graham, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now... Our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content, as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. Entertaining and informational, as always. Uh, I know this is the favorite part of the show for most of our listeners, uh, us talking about our own social media. But moving on to something that people actually want to listen to. <laughs> uh, so what we've talked about a couple of really specifically – nerdy fun things you know yeah we were talking a bit about uh 
comics in general off off the uh, off the podcast. But I wanted to know this: that the character you had, the Zip character, was great. But if you had your choice of any comic book character, a hero, a villain, uh, a secondary, ah, great choice. How Silver Surfer? They haven't done them yet. They haven't. They really haven't done them yet. And it's all oh going to be CGI. Oh my God, Silver Surfer. He was always my favorite as a kid. Even before you could get it out, I'm just like, yeah, Silver Surfer. That's good. He, you know what? He's a lot like Bo. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. He's silent, man. And very powerful. Yeah, he's he's done some kind of... Well, he, in a lot of ways, he has the power of plot. If, if they need him to be able to yeah. do something, they're going to write it in. But even without yeah. that, the whole idea of just being out in space and how do I travel? I have a surfboard. Sure. <laughs> what a sexy way to go, That's man. That's awesome. You know, right? there, Can you imagine? There's actually a jazz record uh, surfing with the alien that uses Silver Surfer as the art for the front of it. <laughs> Surfing with the alien. I, oh I'm, I'm spacing the artist. Is it a good song? Uh, well, I, I seem to remember it's kind of. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was fusion jazz or if it was kind of more a light thing. I, I'm spacing it now. I'm gonna have to look that okay. up. Okay. Well, but, <laughs> no point intended, right? No, uh, exactly. Yeah. But, so, yeah, Silver Surfer would definitely be my character, man. Uh, oh, how did you like the new um, uh, Jared Leto? Uh, we reviewed that. Uh, <laughs> it was not. It was not what I hoped it would be. I always like to be very careful because anytime you're able to create any sort of a yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. it's a major undertaking and it's an uh -huh. accomplishment. So uh, I try and keep that in mind. But it very much feels like it suffered from the fact that you have studios fighting over rights for specific carrier, uh, characters. So you couldn't introduce them in the way that he needed to be introduced. Mm -hmm. So they had to adjust things. And it feels like there was a meeting at some point that happened where they go, you know, people liked Venom, which I still don't understand. But what if we made Venom <laughs> and just stuck I didn't like Venom game? 2 at all. No. it was Venom 1 I thought was better, but Venom 2 I was. It was not good. Yeah, it's just the CGI. It kind of reminded me of that Hulk everyone the, did not. The Banda yeah. Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah all right all right all right casting gods we're 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 we're, we're just speaking in general that's right you know, that's right putting that out there well do not cast Jaden kane he did not like well no and that's the thing a lot of times the issue isn't with the casting i thought the casting for the most part at least with morbius was fine it wasn't the casting it was it was all in the writing and in the cgi it just mm -hmm. it just it just missed the mark for me now mm -hmm. in gotcha. venom however i feel like the casting was wrong i love woody harrelson i would never have cast him as cletus cassidy not ever yeah nah. hey well i don't know ken you you, you may have a second position <laughs> We're in casting. I don't know. You I, might want to throw your hat in. Uh, I would love to do that. That would be that would be great because I love seeing I love seeing the casting departments put people in a position to succeed, and yeah. that that to me yeah. is just a wonderful thing yeah. to witness. You know, it's an interesting thing too because with the casting directors, there's the saying: if they don't see it, they don't see it. So if you like generic roles, a cop, right? So on your reel you have to be the best version of the average cop. 
they don't want to see that you could be a boy, a girl, a cat, a dog. Like, there's a big uh, misconception in, in this industry. Like, oh, yeah, they want to see a range. They want to see a range. They do not want to see a range because there's not enough hours in the day and there's so many actors. They want to bring Ken in and know Mr. Seymour does this and he is the best at doing this. Like, I could so see you on Sons of Anarchy or something like that. Oh, you know be, what I'm saying? Like, that'd be fun. You know, Game of Thrones, like that, that is your world, right? Um, but if I was going to cash with something else, I'd be like, ah. So oftentimes we have to see it. They, they have to see it on a reel, in our work right? Um, that we submit them. So, and, you know, I, I think, you know, with a lot of the big budget, yeah, there's a lot of packaging going on. Like if you're with a certain agency, you know, they, they have the executive producers, they, they, they represent casting, the other money people, you know, writers, directors, they put it together, they present it to the studio, budget, done. One of the things I really love to see is a, a chance uh, whenever, whenever a project is being put together and they just take a chance on people that the public is not familiar with. A lot, uh-huh. a lot of times to have just they, they're great workers and nobody knows who they are. But yeah. that way you don't have any baggage coming into watching what it is you you don't yeah, you don't yeah. look at like a like a bruce willis back in the day and immediately it's like okay it's die hard what is he doing die hard now uh but you just have a fresh a fresh yeah. start this is beautiful you know what they they, they call it butts and seats man it's mm-hmm. all about butts and seats because they know you know you hire that name yep. they have an established fan base you know the whole ig facebook youtube thing so like, you know, and, and I get that because I produced a few things as well. And it, it's going to get eyes on it that it wouldn't ordinarily get on it. But uh, some of the some of the best projects that I've seen in my life have been like virtual unknowns as well. And, you know, Michelle Rodriguez, she did Girl Fight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did you ever see that? I did. Her first. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. And yeah. she's literally been fighting ever since. And she's synonymous with the Fast and the Furious now, you know? She so, she seems like a, a, a an a, feels like an actual tough person, you know that that yeah, is kind of nice to yeah. see. Yeah, that's the energy. Yeah. So we were we were talking a minute ago about Sons of Anarchy. I had a chance to to meet Theo Rossi about a month ago at Oh uh, yeah Fan Expo Cleveland, and it yeah. it brought a a question to mind that I wanted to ask you because you've definitely had some convention experience. And oh, yeah. as a convention goer, we see it from the side of the person that comes in the doors and uh, wants to get our autographs taken or buy three pounds of fudge for no particularly good reason. Um, on the other side, what is it like to be the person that people come to see? What is a day in, in the life of the guest at a convention? A day in the life of the guest or the person that the guest is coming to see? Uh, no, I mean like the guests, the the actors that are are brought oh, in. Oh, oh, yes, got you. Okay, well, we get up. Um, we have, you know, we'll have something to eat if if we didn't have some wild night at the club before. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, and then and then we go there and we just set up <clears throat> water bottles, um, autographs, headshots. You have your your big posters with your special magic marker that's reflective. You know, um, they probably have some throwaway cameras with some, you know, SD cards, that type of thing. And then you just kind of let it rip, man. Uh, for me, 
it is tremendously humbling. Um, when I was at um, the last one, which was in, um, was it, that was Munich, right? Uh, the the Comic-Con, uh, German Comic-Con. There was, there was this girl that came, she was paraplegic and, um, but her favorite show was The Vampire Diaries and I was her favorite character. So she, she rolls past and she rolls back. She had one of those things that you, like, so she, she's able to move it, I guess, with her tongue. Ah. She holds this thing and she rolled back and she's looking at me. And I thought she was hyperventilating. But the, the, the two people who were with her, they're like smiling and laughing, right? And I was like, she okay? Is she okay? And, um, and I was like, come, come, come. And she like, she looks up and she looks up and, you know, they wheel her. And oh my God, man. Like she could barely enunciate words, but she was so happy. I just gave her the biggest hug. And we took, I said, no, take out her phone. You know what I'm saying? So we did videos. Uh, sent a video to her mom and, and and she's like crying and I'm just like, oh my God. So we have a tremendous amount of responsibility. We do. And, you know, I'll tell you something that's interesting. Most of the people that I know who play bad guys are the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the world. That seems to be where I A lot of the folks who are on the comedies who you think are the nice people. <laughs> huh super cocky arrogant oh my god like and you know i you know i grew up i was like ah i always wanted to be michael jackson right? michael jackson jacket then i wanted to be chris tucker who also did michael jackson really well um eddie murphy like you know we, we all have our heroes and um i think when you are in this position at a comic-con well first of all you signed up for this, you know, and fans are like people that you're going to meet in the Walmart. They're from everywhere. You don't know what happened the night before that morning, if they had a fight, or, you know, if they're going to go postal, if they're going to be totally cool someplace in between. So, you know, you have to take it moment by moment. But one thing that everyone has in common is the genre, you know, and they're all in love with the mystery and the intrigue. Uh, the folklore of it all, and um, it 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 just makes you feel like you have wings, you know. Um, I can't imagine. I, I always feel like I want to do more. So even after they close, you know, there's still people. I'm like, ah, oh, we still take video. We still do this. We still do that. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that's what it's like. And then you know, then it's over until the next year. Yeah. That uh, seeing the just the the numbers of people, the thing that strikes me is you will see one particular artist have a line just out the door of people. And then you'll see maybe two or three where there's nobody there. And every time I see that, it's like, do you guys not realize the, the great stuff that these people have done? Why, why are there not more people over, over at this particular booth? And A lot of times I think that has to do with the amount of press and or advertising their publicist has put out and the amount of advertising that particular con has done, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, it's like butts and seats, Yeah. right? 
Um, and, and, it, and it's that whole thing. Yeah, I have, I have some amazing memories. But you know what's the funny thing, Ken? Um, when, all right, so I think, let's see, 2022, I started 2010. had my first real television role. All right, so 12 years, right? I love what I do for a living, but it's interesting because, you know, if, if you go to like a, a theater, you know, see a movie, so you have a packed house. Everyone has one thing in common. They wish they were on that screen, right? The few of us who have the audacity to keep doing this, because we literally have to beat out thousands and thousands and thousands of people, not even locally, but internationally now, especially due to COVID and uh, self-tapes. Um, but for us, you know, we love our job, but <clears throat> we're so accustomed to doing it, I think... Um, it grounds us. Well, some of us anyway, in that, yeah, this is what I do. Like some people, they go to the office, I go to set, you know, and we both take our jobs seriously and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that, I don't know. That's, that's the way that I see it. some of my friends are like, yeah, you, you know, you, you always try to promote yourself as the guy next door and accessible, you know, you should have this air of superiority. You'd be surprised, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like they are not worthy. Like, that's really a thing. You know, uh, it's one of the reasons why I had to move out of L.A., man. I was just like, oh, God, this stuff is just too much. I like being grounded, though. You know, uh, you definitely seem grounded to me. I, I've got, I've got to say, man, I, appreciate I feel you, like, I feel like we could have a barbecue, share a, oh, yeah. Hell a beverage. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll bring you chicken. <laughs> so you're in a, you're in a place of some fantastic music right now. Yeah. Um, and, and it's jazz, which I absolutely love. So this just popped in my mind. If you had to name a favorite or a couple of favorite jazz musicians of all time, who would it be? At the top, for me, Herbie Hancock, because I, I grew up with him. Um, after that, you know, I don't really have... Yeah, this is sad. My dad would be so disappointed <clears throat> because I grew up on jazz. But I've always, I've always liked to listen to it, but I, I was never a collector of it. So I don't really know a lot of the names in all actuality. I really don't. But I grew up on Herbie and everything that he's remixed and redone, I follow him and I, I still have his CDs that I play till today. So he's my particular favorite. You can't go wrong with Herbie Hancock. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of fantastic. I, my, my, uh, my youth was spent uh, with vinyl records. So that, that, technically that wasn't really the thing at the time, but that's what my dad had. So yeah, had yeah, yeah. all sorts of old stuff. I, I got uh -huh. to come up on, you know, Beatles and Black Sabbath and, but, you know, just something about like Charlie Parker, the sound of his saxophone was just amazing. Uh, yeah. Or any time that I could hear Miles Davis, I was just blown oh, away. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. His solos were bananas. Yeah, he was. And his, <laughs> his life was interesting, too. I, yeah, I, had, yeah. I had no idea at the time, but just that it's. Bigger than life, I guess, is the best way to put it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There we Especially go. back in those days, you know, uh, socially, there were much greater problems or, or to greater effect or, and or extent than they are today. 
So even the fact that these people became these massive icons is just like mind blowing. If you think about everything that was going on at the time, you know, that, that's just a testament to how important it is to just stay the course and keep going, you know, definitely. Never know. And, th- and it's part of the reason why I do what I do to kind of make things a lot easier for people who come in after me. I, I definitely always appreciate that because there, there's going to need yeah. to be that, that next generation that's going to pick up the torch and, and absolutely make the industry their own. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are upcoming, do you have any projects that we should be really excited to get ready for? Yeah. Well, it's not in the mystery genre. It's, it's called Three Women, right? Okay. And um, all right, so there's Blair Underwood, right? For, you know, famous from L.A. Law. Absolutely. And uh, we have, I'm just trying to get the pr- pronunciation because sometimes I don't like to mispronounce people's names. All right, so we have, obviously, we have Blair. Yes, we have Shailene Woodley from um, uh, Big Little Lies. She nice. plays Jane on the show. Nice. And Dewanda Wise from She's Gotta Have It. And uh, Dewanda Wise is actually in the new Jurassic Park, which I cannot wait for. That okay, I have a little kid in me coming out. I'm a huge fan of the franchise. <laughs> anyway, this is... Basically, three women is all about um, women's liberation and sexual exploration. It's like a Fifty Shades of Grey for people of color. Oh. It was based on a best-selling book, Three Women, New York Times bestsellers list. They aren't talking about it much. This show is going to blow up. It is. Hmm. It is the second time in my career that I've done something. Uh, it's for Showtime, for all intents and purposes, naked. Wow. I, uh, so I'm married. I'm a very, um, very famous athlete. My wife, love her. Blair Underwood's wife is DeWanda Wise, and we're swingers. So it's no guy on guy, but it's a lot of... A lot of people in the same spot. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shocked that I booked that too. I was like, whoa, man, what the heck is going on? That was an interesting audition because sometimes I send my mentees my auditions and stuff, but I didn't really feel comfortable. Like, no, no, because I wasn't. Well, all right, so I, I had my shirt off, right? But I had to like drop the lens like just below the belly button, but it just felt. It just felt kind of pervy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, I didn't feel like embracing my inner perv and sending that off. Well, Showtime uh, is well familiar with. with yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that's supposed to drop in September. I'm on Long Slow Exhale, which is exclusive on Spectrum right now, which is about all the scandals in female professional sports. Yeah, and I played Deputy Belmont on that. And aside from that, that's uh, that's what I got in the pipeline right now. Oh, of course, what I'm talking about, just my type. So I just wrote a, a comedy. A lot of people don't notice, but I write comedy. Excellent. Well. Um, yeah, outrageous comedy. And we'll be finishing that up in September as well for release next summer. It's called Just My Type. 
Yeah. I'll be looking forward is, to that. Comedy is yeah. comedy is a bit of a minefield right now, but uh, we need it more than we've ever needed it. <clears throat> You're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, Ken. Yeah, man. It's 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 been a crazy ride, man, but I love it. Um Yeah, that's interesting when you asked me like, "What, you know, what role would you like yeah, if if it were to be in our favorite genre, which is mystery and action and superheroes and you know mythology, it would definitely be the Silver Surfer. But what my what my reps and I are working on now is getting. I've, I've been offered a lot of uh, different roles, but we want one with a great ensemble, like a, like like kind of like an L.A. Law, something that's going to be around, like The Wire, like. Just, uh, just you know get, what I mean? Keeps picking up steam as it goes. Yeah, man. And uh, just a great script. Like, that's where I am now. Because I've, I've rebranded. So most of the time, you know, I'm not acting crazy. Like, <laughs> sit, that type of thing now. I'm a different dad. Yeah. <laughs> I really you know? think, I really think you guy. should do that. Do that on the next, uh, whichever <laughs> you're going for. This is going to be a family program. Uh, you're going to be the... <laughs> the local store owner and uh, he's helping out some children that'd be great i want to see that particular uh i want to see that particular uh, bit of film and the reaction i just want to get that long shot with uh, with you on the one side and them on the other and just the looks of confusion it would be fantastic it was priceless priceless but that's when you know you you did a great job you have thoroughly convinced them to the point of almost getting fired before you're hired. <laughs> that, is, that is excellent. That is excellent. Well, I cannot thank you enough for taking your time to be on our show today. I, uh, it's a high point, as always, to, to talk to somebody, anybody in the industry, but especially because you've done so much great stuff that I've really enjoyed over thank the years. Thank you, I appreciate you. And you are uh, welcome. Anytime you want to come back and talk about something new coming out uh, or just want to jaw about anything, yeah, we, we would love to have you. The the Pudding Guys, uh, we, we just uh, we love you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. A million times over, Ken. Thank have you. a kick-ass weekend. Be good. And if not, be better. <laughs> <laughs>